Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news and an inside perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello, everyone. I'm Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering the sprint to close out 2021, the tight deadlines Congress is facing to keep the government funded and how it could impact the insurance industry. Plus, it's a very busy time for insurance regulators. NAMIC's Erin Collins shares her thoughts on regulatory challenges at the NAIC and NCOIL, and also looks ahead to what the insurance industry might expect from state legislatures in 2022. And not quite ready for prime time, NAMIC supports a call for a three-year extension to collect and review information on automated vehicle safety. But first, As the end of 2021 approaches, Congress is facing a number of tight deadlines for must-pass legislation. First up is keeping the government running beyond the end of this week when the federal government funding is scheduled to run out. Congress is likely to pass a continuing resolution that simply maintains current funding, and AMIC is working to ensure it also includes an extension of the National Flood Insurance Program. At the same time, senators are continuing to work on the National Defense Authorization Act after a Monday vote to close debate on the bill failed. The House-passed NDAA includes a NAMIC-supported provision allowing insurers and other financial services companies to provide services and products to cannabis-focused business in states where they are legal. But the provision is caught between conservative lawmakers uncomfortable with the further legalization of marijuana and progressives who want it accompanied by additional criminal justice reforms. As a result, the bill is unlikely to get through the Senate. Senate Democrats are also continuing to negotiate changes to the Build Back Better Act. The House approved the $1.7 trillion social spending measure right before Thanksgiving, but its fate in the upper chamber is unknown given the need for every Democratic member of the party to support the bill for it to pass. And right now, the bill contains problematic language that could force property casualty insurers to change their accounting standards. So NAMIC is working with Democratic senators to make a technical change in the language that will resolve the issue. NAMIC's Jimmy Grandy explains. As Build Back Better heads to the United States Senate, and as Congress contemplates historic spending levels, they also need to raise new revenue, and that comes in the form of taxes. Taxes not only on the wealthy, but taxes on companies. This is something NAMIC has been very active in working on um, as this makes its way through Congress. Uh, we were able to help work to mitigate some of the tax proposals by eliminating the increases in the corporate tax rate, by making sure that uh, Congress understood the unique differences of the property casualty industry. And um, finally, uh, we're still working on a remaining provision in the um, minimum tax proposal as it would force some insurers to use uh, gap accounting instead of the industry-preferred SAP. So we're still hard at work trying to make sure that as Washington spends money, uh, they don't try to collect more of it on the backs of uh, our policyholders. And finally, before the holidays arrive, Congress still needs to raise the federal debt ceiling by December 15th or risk the United States defaulting on its debt. 
Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said yesterday that he's had good conversations with Minority Leader Mitch McConnell about raising the debt ceiling, but so far no details on any plans have emerged. In other news, just before Thanksgiving, NAMIC filed comments with the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration regarding automated driving systems. The association supported NHTSA's call for continued information collection of incident reporting requirements for automated driving systems and Level 2 advanced driver assistance systems. NAMIC noted that the complexity required for creating software and hardware that could operate a vehicle on public roads, along with the mixed findings of safety experts, shows that more information is needed when it comes to evaluating safety of automated vehicle systems. Well, while there's no doubt a lot is going on in Washington, there's also quite a bit happening at the state regulatory level. The National Council of Insurance Legislators just wrapped up its fall meeting, and the National Association of Insurance Commissioners is gearing up for its upcoming meeting in San Diego, which starts on December 11th. NAMIC Senior Vice President of State Affairs Erin Collins will be testifying at the NAIC meeting, and today she joins Neil Aldridge on the unscripted segment of the podcast to talk about not only what happened at NCOIL and her expectations for the NAIC meeting, but also about what 2022 holds from state legislatures around the country when it comes to insurance. Joining me today for the unscripted portion of the podcast is a NAMIC staff member, our newest Senior Vice President of State and Policy Affairs, Aaron Collins, who's not new to NAMIC in any way, but new to this role, is joining me today. Thanks for joining us today, Aaron. Thanks for having me, Neil. So you're a veteran of many state legislative battles and regulatory issues for NAMIC over the years. Uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the national organizations and their meetings. So NCOIL, the National Conference of Insurance Legislators, and the NAIC, uh, the National Association of Insurance Commissioners, have both either just had meetings or about to have meetings. So we thought we'd spend a little time talking to you about those meetings today and then anything else that may be on your mind. So let's start with NCOIL. Uh, so NCOIL just had its fall meeting, uh, just wrapped up uh, there before Thanksgiving. And so what are some of the issues that NAMIC has been tracking at the latest NCOIL meeting? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting time of year, right, because they try to kind of put um, some finishing touches on work that they had for the year. They have some change in leadership. Uh, and then they're also trying to get things ready because those state legislators are going into pre-file season, right? And so they're getting ready for their legislative sessions. Um, so there was a lot of discussion about sort of some of the work Inquil has done over the course of the year. You know, they had their uh, race and insurance uh, committee stream that, that came up with the definition of proxy discrimination. And so we were working with them and in, in talking about what some of the next steps are there. Uh, so in 2022, we know that they're going to work on a transparency model to help, uh, you know, consumers understand, which is, I think, a shared objective of the industry and policymakers and regulators is helping consumers understand what they're purchasing, why they're purchasing it, um, making sure that they're getting the right level uh, of insurance and and risk mitigation and understanding what goes into that process. I I think that benefits everybody. So we're going to be working on that a lot. In terms of a new, newer issue, I would say popping up, at least at Inquil, we've seen it uh, in the States uh, some over the years, is this issue of breed identification in dogs uh, for the underwriting process, especially in, in the homeowner's context and in some cases, an umbrella or liability context. But, you know, uh, some companies 
utilize either the presence of a dog or specific breed identification based on the risk uh, of loss um, that 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 particular uh, dog may uh, possess. So there was a lot of discussion about that, um, some of the, you know, science behind it, uh, what some of the notifications are, the different products that are available. And uh, from our perspective, really focusing on understanding the the breadth in the market that consumers have all kinds of choices uh, in the market in terms of their homeowner's coverage. And so if there's a particular uh, underwriting issue or, or factor, including uh, dog breeds that um, that a consumer doesn't like or doesn't feel benefits their risk mitigation, they have plenty of choices in the market. Uh, so that was a, a large part of our focus uh, for this initial conversation, but I think that probably is going to continue in conversation in 2022. That's interesting. So both NCOIL uh, and the NAIC are obviously important organization to NAMIC, the industry as a whole. Both of them serve a, a, a large role in shaping uh, what the legislative and regulatory environment looks like for insurance companies. At times, legislators that make up the NCOIL membership and, and the regulators, the insurance commissioners and their staff that make up the NAIC, uh, at times, um, sometimes uh, that they can be a little bit at odds with one another, uh, that legislators sometimes think that the regulators get kind of too far ahead of some issues at times, and there's always a dynamic that's at play between the two organizations. So what, what what's the latest on how INCOIL and their perspective on the NEIC is at the moment, kind of how are the two organizations working together? Yeah, so I, I guess it was a handful of years ago, it, it feels like um, they, they started taking a more demonstrative interest uh, in, in at least keeping each other informed and working together. So NEIC has done a great job, of, and they did at this meeting, of sending a strong contingent of regulators to come and talk to the INCOIL legislators, tell them what um, their committee work is up to, what the organization is up to. Uh, it, the street goes both ways. You know, the INCOIL officers tend to go to NEIC meetings. I think it would be beneficial if more state legislators went to NEIC meetings. Um, I think, it, you know, that communication and collaboration is important. And, and at NAMIC, we in, encourage that. I think um, that benefits everybody. But I would say it tends to focus around a couple of things, and, and you touched on it a little bit. One is that I think from the legislators' perspective, um, they really want to have clear and distinct understanding of whether or not uh, regulators are creating policy or enforcing policy uh, and creating law or enforcing the law. And I, that's a really important dynamic and something that um, at NAMIC we really invest a lot of, of time and energy in uh, and helping understand uh, the difference for all those parties uh, and, and making sure that, you know, the elected policymakers uh, are the ones creating the law. Uh, and in some cases, it's not always easy uh, to identify. So I think that's why it's important for them to have those ongoing discussions. The second thing is what we what we call, we refer to as incorporation by reference. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, that goes into state law by virtue of, you know, some phrase in the code of, you know, as this regulatory material is updated, it shall become law in this state. So an example would be like, you know, the exam ha hand handbook, the examiner's handbook. Um, so I, I think 
uh, NCOIL wants to make sure, and I think NEIC does as well, that that scales aren't tipping where there's too much going into that update and then automatically sort of becoming uh, the, the law of the land without uh, ratification or at least understanding of what's happening there. And from the industry perspective, there's a lot of efficiency in incorporation by reference too. Uh, so we just, we all, I think, are served by that continuing conversation. So I think those are the two things they tend to focus on. But, you know, we we do encourage uh, all of them to to talk to each other and, and make sure that they're understanding what everybody's working on. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, many people may not realize that, you know, there's only 11 elected insurance commissioners. The rest are appointed by governors or a commission in a state or two. Uh, they're essentially just state employees at that right. point. I would not necessarily uh, have the same sort of mandate as an elected official does in terms of making policy. And and that, that uh, you know, teeter-totter between those two organizations and, and whether we're making law or enforcing the law uh, is sometimes not always uh, very clear. And I know that's something that's always a bit of a sort of controversy. It's also one of these things that only like insurance regulatory nerds like you and me Really pay a lot of attention to, but it's really important in terms of how the laws get shaped, who's making them, the process that goes along with it. Um, those are very important issues around how the two organizations work, and so legislators obviously have an interest in that. So let's talk a little bit about the NAIC for a minute. Shift to that meeting. You uh, still have at least one more big meeting here uh, before the end of the year. In early December, the NAIC is meeting in San Diego. Uh, you and the team are getting ready to head off to that meeting. So talk a little bit about what we expect there. Well, you know, I, from a broad perspective, I think this is probably going to be the most highly physically attended meeting uh, we've seen since the onslaught of the pandemic. So I think it's going to be a little bit of an interesting dynamic. What we saw in the last meeting is, is we did return to, you know, some physicality with the meetings is that there were fewer meetings. I mean, you know from your time covering, Neil, just the agenda of an NEIC meeting looks a little bit like, you know, an IKEA catalog instructions, right? It's, I mean, they're just a zillion um, meetings and work streams, which is reflective of how much work they do, um, but it can be frenetic. And um, so coming out of that at the last meeting in Columbus, we saw sort of just really the letter committees uh, meeting in person and a lot of the other um, work and, and activity of the, of the working groups was held outside of that. And so I think we're going to see some rebalancing of that. We'll see more in-person meetings, but I don't know if we'll ever really go back um, to the full-fledged thing. I think it's hard to tell at this point. I think there are probably some efficiencies, as we've all found, to be gained uh, in sort of ongoing virtual meetings, but you don't want to lose that in touch, uh, in person aspect. So we'll see a little bit more at this one. Um, in terms of topics, you know, I mean, there's always a lot going on, but I would say um, principally uh, a couple we're, we're focused on. One is, um, you know, they're starting to have more concerted conversations about climate, um, climate change. They're starting this um, Center for Excellence around climate. From our perspective, there, there could be some really powerful things that could happen in that process. There could be some best practices. You know, states like Florida, who unfortunately have to deal with a lot of post-cat activity, um, but have learned to do it well and, you know, work with the industry to make sure that, 
you know, data is coming in that, that can be reported up to the governor's office and that everybody's understanding what's going on and their claims efficiencies. You know, there, there are some great ways that a center for excellence like that could help extend that knowledge base out to all the other states, right? Um, some mitigation issues, uh, resiliency initiatives, things like that we think could be really positive. On the other hand, you know, I think there's some voices that would like to see uh, really a, a delegation of some regulatory uh, work and activity to a group like that where they would actually either create models or review models. Uh, and from our perspective, as huge advocates of state-based regulation, that's a pretty slippery slope uh, and one that could be pretty dangerous uh, in terms of you know where the regulatory system goes from there. So I think that's going to be one topic. Um, and then sort of the topic, I think, uh, of the year and probably of of the foreseeable future uh, will be the work of the race and insurance stream. Uh, we're going to be testifying directly before the committee. Um, you know, I, I think our area of focus and, and certainly the big question of the day for them is this concept of data collection, whether or not insurance companies should directly collect protected class information from their policyholders and then report it to regulators, store it. We have lots of concerns. Uh, with that concept, not the least of which is the privacy of our policyholders. Um, that's not information or material that's uh, used in the in the risk assessment or mitigation process, and we don't feel like it should be. Uh, so, you know, that's that's what we'll be focused on in that stream. And then, um, lastly, I would say, you know, they're cranking up this new letter committee, uh, H committee on innovation. So, you know, I think we'll see. Um, you know, a lot of that in terms of the cranking up of that committee and the election of new officers and uh, sort of that typical year end stuff. But it's not it's it's pretty rare for them to come up with a new uh, full letter committee. Uh, so we'll see some of the you know ratification of that concept uh, moving forward. But I, I think we're all looking forward to um, what, you know, they've outlined through leadership uh, for 2022. The incoming president uh, spoke uh, recently to NAMIC members, uh, and he outlined sort of, you know, more transparency, a look at reducing some of the regulation and the red tape associated with these processes. So I think we're all uh, anticipating uh, some of that conversation as well. Yeah, to be Dean Cameron, the commissioner from the Idaho Department, will be the president uh, next year, I believe. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Dean's a veteran, both legislator and and insurance commissioner, uh, and certainly will under and a, and a former insurance agent uh, who certainly knows right. the business pretty well. Uh, but you know, the NEIC is a body. It's I always everybody. I always used to tell everybody in the industry that everybody in our industry ought to attend at least one NEIC meeting in their life, just because it's kind of hard to describe exactly how that organization functions without actually seeing it in person yeah. uh, to really understand how it all goes on. It wouldn't necessarily be on your top uh, to-do list, but it is interesting how it functions or sometimes doesn't function particularly well. Um, but uh, generally speaking, the regulators try to do the right thing, but they, there's, there's, in many ways, it's, it's pretty hard for them to come up with a consensus way to approach some of these issues. So you mentioned the data collection issue. I was going to ask you about that, but really I was going to ask Kind of the last question is we move out of the organizations of NCOIL and NEIC and kind of look at 2022 and the state legislative sessions that will start in January for the most part, some a little later on in the year, but uh, that obviously always occupies a great deal of our time and effort here at NAMIC in terms of representing member companies' interests in states around the country. And so what do you expect as we look at 22? 
Well, you know, Neil, I probably would have answered that question a little differently um, not too long ago, uh, before this month and before the elections, right? I think the outcome uh, in Virginia and sort of the way things went in New Jersey, um, I think we're going to see some protectionism from Democrats in anticipation of midterm elections, right? And so I think we're going to see a lot of trying to get a feel for what the public's mood is, uh, politically speaking. And I think we'll see that, you know, obviously we'll see a lot of that federal level, um, but I think we're going to see that all in the state level as well. It is probably a little bit um, more trepidation uh, from the Democrats about uh, losing ground. So maybe not as busy as we would have anticipated um, come October, but I would say two main areas of focus for us. One, risk-based pricing. I think we are going to see uh, some attacks on risk-based pricing. That's nothing new. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about that for over a decade, right? I mean, it's it's a little bit cyclical, and uh, we'll see some of that. But I do think we're probably going to see uh, some of it more akin to the law that passed in Colorado, uh, which is a, a little bit odder of an approach, and it's it is a delegation of a lot of legislative authority to the regulator to decide uh, what you know rates being unfairly discriminatory or excessive or inadequate, uh, sort of that triumvirate of insurance rate regulation, what that means. Um, and so the concept of self-testing or uh, stress testing systems uh, based on those criteria, I think we might see some of that uh, in some of the states that are having these conversations uh, at the NEIC. Uh, so I think we're going to see a little bit of that. I also think, um, you know, the trial bar took a little bit of a breather in uh, 2021, almost salivating over 2022. Uh, and we're going to see, we're going to see some of it. We're going to see an influx. Uh, we're going to see some bad faith bills. Um, we're going to see some stuff that um, is probably pretty dangerous, but I'm hoping some of that, um, you know, trepidation of, of getting a quiet year uh, through might might help us. Um, and then we're, you know, we're still going to see some COVID stuff, right? You know, we'll see a lot of these mandate conversations. We'll see a lot of what happens in schools, what all that does to, to liability, uh, I think is is yet to be determined, but you know, civil immunity bills may pop up again uh, because of all those conversations. Yeah, those issues are going to be with us for a while. Uh, who knows? We may even see some of the issues. The business interruption issue, for instance, is is primarily turning into a court battle that insurers right. are are generally speaking insurers are faring pretty well in most of the court decisions. But it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see some states. Um, kind of reinvigorate that discussion too about yeah. whether or not insurers ought to be on the hook for some sort of business interruption coverage. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I don't know how much, you know, to your point, it, it's evolved a little bit. And I, I expect if we see some of that, anything we see that will have legs will probably be more in a proactive um, camp. So, you know, conversations about whether there ought to be a mandatory offer right. of that kind of coverage and things like that, disclosure bills. We'll probably see some of that for sure. Yeah, and then what we at the federal level, we likely will see some debate too about the notion of creating some federal program to deal with a pandemic. Some would like it to mimic TRIA. That's not going to work um, in terms of the scope of the issues around 
pandemic-related losses. So those issues are going to be with us on every level for sure. Well, well, listen, Aaron, thanks for joining us today. And obviously, thanks for all your work, you and the team. Uh, NAMIC has the best advocates in the business, and uh, you lead the state side of that. And um, we're awful proud of what the work you do and, and uh, the membership uh, benefits from it every single day. And so uh, I know we'll have our hands full. Uh, we always seem to. Uh, and um, you guys are at the, at the tip of the spear in the states on behalf of member companies. So keep it up. And, uh, and we're glad you joined us today. All right. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And that's a wrap for us on this episode of Insurance Uncovered. We'll be back in two weeks on December 15th with the final episode for the year. We hope you'll join us then. Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.